Welcome, everyone, to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany. And I'm Howard. And Howard, Happy New Year. We're in a new year. Happy New Year to you as well. Hard to believe. Here we are starting another calendar year. Absolutely. 2024, here we are. And although we haven't been in it for long, I do feel like we've been in it for a long time. And someone made the comment when I mentioned that same thing, that it's probably because we were ready to see 2023 go. (laughs) I don't know if everyone feels that way. I think on some (laughs) level, I probably did for many reasons, but grateful to be able to sit down with you again here in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. So how are we going to kick off this new year? What are we going to talk about to begin? Well, I thought about talking about core beliefs Mm. and how core beliefs affect our daily lives. Um, Core beliefs can be negative, where we have that sense of less than, not enough, and we'll give some examples here this morning. Mm -hmm. Or core beliefs can be, um, you know, inflated, thinking too much of oneself Mm -hmm. and having pride and arrogance and that kind of thing. And then there's core beliefs defined by the Bible Mm -hmm. and by um, solid positive psychology that that helps us live uh, successful and productive lives. So what we want to look at today is how those negative core beliefs can kind of suck us into the black hole of existence and probably then becomes um, the root of a lot of our psychological and emotional struggles. I think that's a great place to start. So for those of you who are expecting the regular beginning of the year podcast of how to you know, keep your New Year's resolutions. This is maybe something like that in disguise because our negative core beliefs are probably the culprits. They get in in the way of us being able to keep the resolutions that we make. Yeah, absolutely. So I pulled out one psychological definition I want to share with our audience that I think probably is poignant. Mm -hmm. It kind of sets the tone for what we want to talk about. So core beliefs are strong long-term beliefs a person has held and understands how they work in their lives. These beliefs begin forming in early childhood and influence a person's personality, decision-making, and mental health. These beliefs act as rules for managing relationships in daily life. And I, I would imagine that some of those core beliefs are very unconscious or people are not very aware that they are operating, but yet they are guiding and directing behavior. And we're going to talk about the early childhood piece in there because I think that's such a huge oh, yes. thing right there. But I think it would help our listeners if they actually had some examples of what core beliefs actually are, because it's a term we understand and throw around. But give us a few examples. Okay. So like one is I need to earn happiness. Ooh. I need to control my environment in order to manage my feelings. The world is a dangerous place. Um, Even my best efforts are not good enough. Uh, Once someone knows me, they'll lose interest in me. Those are just a few examples of how, you know, that darker cloud of core belief uh, beliefs kind of suck us into a place of, of depression, anxiety, uncertainty, uh, insecurity, you know, uh, perhaps on a daily basis. And it's really difficult to say those statements, even though they're maybe operating in our lives and, and us being unaware of them, to say that, you know, someone really got to know me, then they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't accept me. 
That is a really hard thing to say, even if it's something you actually believe are operating in. So years ago, what really sent me down this trail, uh, ironically, was not my psychotherapeutic training in grad school, but was through a certificate that I obtained through the International Institute of Addiction and Trauma Professionals. And that certification uh, training help to see that with recovering addicts or people that have had trauma in their lives, that they need to recover the beliefs about themselves that were meant to be there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now for you and me, it would be going back to the Bible or to God in our faith Mm -hmm. and finding out where that comes from for the secular world that does not have that perhaps way of looking at things. There's a project that we did called the reclamation project Hmm. where they put their core beliefs. Most of those would be negative with that group of people I'm talking about, although it could expand almost any client we see. Mm -hmm. And then the reclamation project was about finding out skills, abilities, achievements, things like that, that a person typically would just maybe push aside as not being important, but are vital to recapturing a positive and correct view of ourselves. That sounds powerful. I even like the name. So you gave us a few examples of negative core beliefs specifically. And I think we can't do it justice unless we talk about how negative core beliefs or perhaps core beliefs in general really are established. I mentioned before I work on the child clinic side and in the child clinic, one thing we've said a lot is that every issue is a um, kind of a connection issue with, with parents or um, so much of the things we struggle with. So much of what people come in to our offices with were established in childhood. Absolutely. Um, There have been some studies that have emerged, I'm guessing from 20 years ago that looked at what's called the epigenetic DNA code of a person. Mm -hmm. So essentially that has to do more with a person's environment, like family of origin, um, sleep patterns, diet, faith or lack of it, um, exercise, peer group interaction, um, spirituality. Researchers discovered that all of that adds to what is becoming known as our epigenetic DNA. So when those things influence me in perhaps a negative way and they don't nurture my life, then I draw in that family of origin or whoever it is that's raising me at a very early age. I come to send those messages to myself because those are the messages I'm receiving from the environment I live in. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to separate who you are from those incoming messages. And, you know, ideally we would have caregivers who loved us, who nurtured us and who, you know, met at least all of our basic needs. Some of us didn't grow up in situations where that was the case and were deeply affected, you know, as a result of it. I'm grateful that I had all of those basic needs met and some of my mental and emotional needs met as well. And so that enabled me to move forward in a way that was fairly productive. Now, granted, there were still things to overcome, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like 
it did help me paint a picture of myself, how I moved about in this world and even what the world was like and of other people and how I engaged with them that I've had to unpack (laughs) over the couple of years, especially um, after being married, because it seems like that really magnifies a lot of the core beliefs that were established that had gone unnoticed by me. Well, and as you you explore this deeper, and this is good news, I think, for any client or for anybody listening today, when the studies first came out, it was agreed in meta-analysis studies across the board that 40% of that part of us could change. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a good percentage. When I started in the field, uh, nobody would have really bought into that idea. But as that research emerged, then the care that we have for clients began to take on a different uh, tenor in terms of being able to give them perhaps more hope than we could have before about changing that part of ourselves. Now, new studies in the last couple of years indicate 70% of that can change. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That is huge. That should be, uh, you know, a shot in the arm, an encouragement to say, all right, I'm going to dig in and explore that. If the possibility is I can change 70% of that epigenetic environment that has affected my life. Absolutely. I liked the work of Dr. Caroline Leaf. And so I've been actually reading a book that she wrote. um, And she says very specifically that, you know, Given where we've come from, you know, what you've seen even in your family and probably even the messages that you receive don't necessarily make um, your destiny. They may create like a disposition. And so given your circumstances, if you're in an environment that's ripe for some um, negatives to really manifest, then that will become an issue. Um, But it's not necessarily your destiny. You actually do have some power and control over that. And she said the power and control that you have is really tied to the way that you think. Absolutely. So if you go back to that training I had 20 years ago uh, with ITAP, the belief then was that a person could, through introspection, therapeutic direction, and perhaps some long-term connection to healthy recovery groups, Mm -hmm. that they could come to the place where they could get back to who they were meant to be from the beginning. I'll never forget that phrase. That was used constantly. Help people get back to who they were meant to be. Because what has happened is all these other things that we're talking about that lead to these negative core beliefs um, have become the norm for us. We think that's who we are. Mm -hmm. And if you think that's who you are, then you don't look at how to get outside of that. Mm-hmm. But if we can give people hope that there's something else, that this has been superimposed on them and that they can find their way, to me, that would just be, okay, let's get after it. I know that's hard work. It's going to be tough. But I want to know who I was meant to be. So we have to start by believing that the way that we're living and how we're seeing ourselves was not what was intended. Exactly. And then I hear you also say we need help to get back to the truth. Yes. Because going on our own, we're probably just going to fall prey to the lies that the enemy very craftily, you know, placed. Well, it's interesting. Uh, The testimonial of uh, some clients that I still work with occasionally have told me that one particular support group they attend and I happen to know which one it is, 
uh, because years ago uh, I provided the impetus for it to start, and it's been going now, I don't know, 15 or 16 years. Mm -hmm. And to a person, they've told me, uh, no offense, Howard, but we get more out of that meeting than we do anything else that we do with you. (laughs) And you know what I tell them? That's a compliment. Actually, it is. Because here are peers helping each other every week get back to who they were meant to be. And as they support each other in that process, they have found camaraderie, connection, attachment, and the challenge to not relapse, not go back to that stinking thinking, but continue to pursue who it is that I was meant to be. I I love that. So I'm thinking in order to walk in true freedom from negative core beliefs, we need the truth. And we live in an age where truth seems to be very subjective. We've heard statements such as live your truth, okay, which rubs me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. This is Tiffany talking. (laughs) And I believe there is the truth. Yes. And that comes from the Lord, because ultimately he is the one who created us. And so he is the one, the only one who could really clearly give us a picture of who we were meant to be. And that is so, it will make you free knowing that. So you have some scriptures for us that really highlight that. I, I love this. Um, Psalm 8. Now, some versions are going to say uh, angels, but... Um, This is from the New American Standard 2020 version update. And I really like how this is translated from the Hebrew. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him and the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him a little lower than God and crown him with glory and majesty. Now, here's why that... God instead of angels there makes more sense to me is because we are created in his image. If you go back to Genesis one twenty six and 27. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we were created in his image means we're created just a little lower. Yes. We're sinful beings. Yes. We need a redeemer. Yes. You know, we need to pursue righteousness, but just knowing that mm-hmm. God made me in his image and the image was marred by sin, mm-hmm. and the image is marred by poor choices or things that have, beyond my control, affected my life, what's my way back to that place of knowing who I was meant to be? Mm-hmm. I think this is one place where we start. Wow. Wow. So you keep saying, going back to that idea of we were meant to be very specific people, And the Lord is the one who created and designed that. And so we have to start again, going back to the very truth. And so how powerful would it be if we took even that scripture and just meditated on it? Oh, absolutely. Let it roll around in our minds. Like there are probably quite a few things that we, you know, accept in our lives that we would no longer settle for. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And if our audience would take time to just journal a little bit, you know, some of them probably do. But if you've never journaled, if you would just sit and write how that impacts you and maybe even use it as a prayer, uh, it could start to unlock maybe deeper thinking in your life relative to what would I like to change? What do I need to change? Even though it crowned with glory and majesty. Whoa. Well, 
Big words. <laughs> Those are big words. <laughs> yes, they are. And there's an exclamation point at the end of that. Uh, it was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then when you think about Psalm 139, this one's probably more familiar to mm-hmm. people. But, you know, this this is really the core. For you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me when yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, God, exclamation point again. How precious are your thoughts to me. How vast the sum of them. Wow. That reminds me of a conversation I had with a student years and years ago who was convinced that he was a mistake. His parents, I think, in explaining, you know, his birth or even where they were in life when he came along. And I don't think they did this intentionally to hurt him. I think it was just part of the conversation said that he wasn't planned and that he was an oops baby. And so Mm. it was kind of the joke and funny, Oh, you were just our oops baby, but he carried that. And so I'm working with him as a teenager is like 13, you know, almost 14. And he's like, yeah, I was like, I was an oops baby. I was, I was a mistake. And the way he said it wasn't, He was half laughing, but then part of him wasn't because he said it when he was being confronted with uh, like a mistake that he made and something Mm -hmm. that he needed to correct. Wow. And it was, it seemed very spontaneous, but the fact he mentioned in any way meant it was in his heart. And so right then and there, I said, no, you were, no, you're not a mistake. I said, you're and I'm working in a public school, so I'm treading carefully. You may not have been part of your parents' plan, you know, initially, Mm -hmm. but you were never a mistake and you were always intended to be here. Thus you're here. And he just kind of looked at me like it was a paradigm shift. I hope he took that in. Yeah, absolutely. But that idea that I was never intended to and that scripture, just the idea that, hey, you knew me while I was, you know, before I was, as I was being knit in my mother's womb, like you saw me, nothing is hidden from you. Like that was huge. So I think that, You know, your story is poignant and think of the number of people who believe that Mm -hmm. and struggle with that. So if we start with the idea that God made us, he has the blueprint. He's the one that created us in his image, that he has a plan for us. I think there's a part B to this that's vital. And that goes back to that support group I was talking about that It's vital that we find ways to connect with healthy, nurturing people who will encourage, strengthen, lift us up, and additionally challenge us to be who we can be. I think you have to have an environment of people that are going to help you reach it. They're honest with you. They they don't hold back truth about you. They offer insight, but they are there constantly to push us in that direction as well. So you start with God, then I think you have to have a healthy environment of people to surround yourself with Mm -hmm. in order to 
help push you in that direction. Absolutely. That's that needing support piece. I'm going to throw you for a loop here. As I'm thinking about that, I've heard several people say they accept that God created them and God has a plan for their life. But because of a lot of life happenings, and maybe not things that were done to them, but decisions that they've made Mm -hmm. that have resulted in negative consequences, they believe that they're disqualified and they're no longer um, worthy of perhaps walking in that calling or they can no longer actually do the things that God called them to do in the first place. No, that's an excellent point. Um, You're looking at the poster child for that because... um, Knowing that I was called to preach in 1969, uh, knowing that God was calling me to a life of helping people, and then making some poor choices, believing that I had sinned that day away, and not believing that grace could even possibly be sufficient since I turned my back on what I knew, working at General Motors and planning on a nice retirement. And I was doing well there. I was there six years. But what turned it around um, was God intervening, people coming alongside to support, people who were praying for me. And when I eventually made that decision, I realized that there was one verse in the Bible that's well-known, but at the same time often overlooked. And that's Isaiah one eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God said, "Come, let us reason together. That though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow." And then He goes on to say, "They'll be as white as wool." Mm-hmm. So, I had to realize what is it God wanted. That word "reason" is a very interesting word. It says, "Come, let's talk about this," mm-hmm. which is non-condemning. Mm-hmm but at the same time convicting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So realizing that my sins could truly be forgiven, my foolish mistakes could be atoned for, Mm -hmm. my unwise choices could be overcome, I realized then that I had this possibility of being what in 1969 I was very sure I was to be. Mm -hmm. And not only did God blow me away with that, um, a minister for 40 years, a clinician for 23 years, and now I also work as a funeral assistant uh, in helping people in that way as well. So there's just so much can happen when you finally turn the corner and believe that. But it's so hard, Tiffany. And I struggled for more years than perhaps I should have use that word lightly should, mm-hmm. but I struggled longer than maybe, um, you know, God wanted me to, but his striving and grace with me were consistent. And I'm, I'm deeply grateful for that. He never gave up on me. But when you, when you have this mindset that you can't get there from here mm-hmm. because you've canceled out any plans of potential, mm-hmm. okay. That were there then you get stuck and you live kind of a mundane or miserable existence because you're not realizing you're not reclaiming like that project reclamation project. I'm not reclaiming Mm -hmm. what God put on my life. Absolutely. 
And I think there are some obstacles to that reclamation. You use the word should, you know, which, you know, therapeutically, mm -hmm. I'm glad you caught that because even if you struggle longer than you believe you should have, the truth is you probably had some help in that struggle because mm -hmm. we have a culture and I imagine there were probably even people around who were more than content to continue to remind you of who they believed you were, which wasn't necessarily in line with the truth. So it may not have just been coming from you, what you were believing on the inside, it probably originated from outside of you and then it was internalized, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And once you internalize something, the feeling is I can't do any better than this, you know? So you look to secular markers. I was successful at General Motors. I was making good money at General Motors. Mm -hmm. um, my weekends were free. You know, I worked generally five days a week, sometimes six, but life, I could interpret life as pretty good. Uh, economically, it was good. Socially, it was good. Um, I was in a good church. All those th things were happening, but that that gnawing inside of not being satisfied mm -hmm. and knowing that if I were to pull the veil of my heart away and people could look in there, they would see the ugly that I believe. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody to see that. Mm -hmm. So I keep the veil across that part of me. You know, that's, and that's one of the negative core beliefs. I'm ugly, not necessarily I'm physically ugly. Yeah. I'm ugly inside. You know, and if, again, if you get locked into that, it's very hard. It's an obstacle to overcome, to believe that, no, you're not, mm -hmm. you feel that way, but you're not. And that's where the rub comes. Like, how do I get past that? Yeah. Folks, you know, we've unpacked quite a bit and probably not done yet. Again, this is the beginning of 2024. So we have a lot more <laughs> to, Absolutely. to talk about as we move through this year. But one thing is very sure, and this is something we deal with in a, a clinical basis um, regularly, and that is the power that core beliefs have over our view of ourselves, of course, our beliefs, and then the things that we do and how we engage with the world. So it's really, really important to become aware of what's operating yes. in your life. And it's difficult to become aware without help and support, both of, you know, other people. So peers, family, friends, and if need be, even the help of like a professional. Well said. So folks, we hope that you have, you know, enjoyed something that we've said today and more than enjoyed it. We hope it's been helpful for you um, in your journey. Again, this is not just another New Year's resolution, first of the year podcast. This is really helping you um, heal, you know, hopefully become free. And, you know, as is the title, um, really be restored. Yes. Restoration. That's that the, that's the word. Yeah, absolutely. So we will probably touch on this topic again, either in the next podcast or throughout the year, because it's so huge. We haven't even talked about positive core beliefs and how they operate in our lives. So I think we can't leave without doing that justice as well. Absolutely. I agree with that. So please share our podcast and, you know, stay tuned because we have more great stuff coming your way. And as always, God bless and Shalom. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. 
The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.